Valerie Gatos is a freshman state representative from the 44th District in Western Pennsylvania. A small businesswoman, she hopes to improve Pennsylvania's business climate so that we grow and retain job opportunities all across the Commonwealth. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to Brews and Views. I'm Matt Briette, president of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. I'm in downtown Harrisburg at the foot of the Capitol uh, with uh, freshman state uh, representative Valerie Gatos. Valerie, uh, good to be with you. Well, thanks, Matt. Thanks for inviting me to come chat with you guys. Well, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I'm glad you're in Harrisburg. Of course, uh, uh, I'm I'm very excited to have you as a, a freshman. It's probably odd to be called a freshman once again uh, after uh, having so many years from our freshman years of high school, college, right? Uh, but you are a freshman. And uh, with that are lots of fun things. But before we get to, you know, finding out where the bathrooms are in the state capitol, I want to hear about uh, little Valerie uh, growing up uh, in, in western Pennsylvania. Um, and uh, let's, let's, let's start there. Sure, sure. Well, I, I grew up in a small town named Swickley. Uh, my dad was a dentist, and uh, my, my whole family were a third-generation Allegheny County resident. My, my dad was a dentist, as I said. He, uh, he was a dentist to a lot of the mill workers in Ambridge. So uh, I could say that I had be- the best of both worlds and got a lot of exposure to a lot of different types of people. And uh, brothers, sisters, uh, how'd you, how, what, what was your family life like? Sure. Uh, so I had an, uh, two older brothers and an older sister. And uh, so we were a pretty close-knit family. But uh, I think that, that having the older brothers, uh, they, they spared no mercy in putting me through <laughs> a lot of things and, and challenging me to do things, uh, which I, I now, as an older adult, appreciate that. Now, were your, were your parents uh, politically involved? I mean, where did, where did politics kind of come into your, your life, your bloodstream? That's that's a really good question. I think um, my entire family, my as I said, uh, my my family was involved in the community. Uh, being medical professional, uh, my dad was involved actually in school board, and uh, when I was in grade school, my uncle was very active in the community as well. Uh, he um, he he was he was a doctor. He also had mill workers as his patients and uh, delivered tons of babies, tons of babies, a lot of babies in at Swickley Hospital. And then I had another uncle who was the, the he, he worked for the Ambridge Chamber of Commerce, uh, created Nationality Days actually uh, okay. for the community. And then yet another uncle who was active in the community who, uh, who taught at Robert Morris University. He taught theater and English there and involved a lot of people in the community, uh, in, into the community theater. So I think naturally I come from a family that really heavily engaged in the community. And where, would you guys say we were active Republicans or uh, conservatives or how, how would you characterize uh, kind of the, the, the aura around the, the dinner table as you talked about politics? Sure. I think, I think uh, we were pragmatic because okay. my mom had a retail shop. So uh, my grandparents came to this country from Eastern Europe, so they were hard workers. Uh, I think prag- pragmatic is probably uh, the, the right word. Uh, I think that I carry that thought because one of the things that I've said on my campaign was that I've been in business 25 years and never is party affiliation a factor in doing the right thing. And I think I was brought up uh, with that view of things. So, so uh, where did you uh, kind of become a Republican and conservative, and that became, you know what, this is, uh, that's where I identify uh, my politics. 
Well, I think I identify as a Republican because I think that most Republicans are pragmatic and they're business owners, and uh, I saw them as problem solvers. So that's how I grew up. But as I've mentioned before, that in Western Pennsylvania, I think uh, people are hardworking, and uh, I saw all the people around me who were Republicans, and even those who were Democrats, uh, they were also hardworking, and that's where my parents just identified as as, uh, as as being hardworking individuals. Now, I know not long after graduating college, you went into business uh, for yourself. And as you mentioned, you, you spent a couple decades as a small business owner. Uh, your experience, I guess, from that side of things and observing politics, uh, um, uh, we, we don't have, you know, uh, many hours here, but uh, uh, the, your list of things that you say, boy, here's what's wrong with politics. Here's <laughs> what hinders business growth. And I know that uh, you were uh, uh, invested a lot in startup companies or trying to help people along. Uh, from that perspective, uh, how have you seen Pennsylvania in terms of its uh, climate, its business climate? Well, you know, I, I think uh, as as somebody who had started, I started my own business. It was a database company. We we sold financial news to the financial services uh, community and entrepreneurs. And uh, with that, I really got to know different types of business models and businesses. And I had started my business in another state, uh, and I thought. Wow, you know what? What is wrong with Pennsylvania that we are not providing uh, the same benefits or encouragement for companies to stay here? That's one of my reasons for running for office. Uh, is that that I thought it was very interesting how all the states around us uh, have have a better tax climate uh, for both startups and for corporations. Mm. And uh, so, as you look at Pennsylvania, do you see uh, Pennsylvania going in the right direction, or are we still erecting a lot of barriers for uh, small businesses in particular? Because we know that that's really the economic engine of any economy. It's not luring in a, a big Amazon, but it's uh, growing small mom and pop shops. It's growing small and mom, mom and pop shops. In fact, I truly believe that um, supporting those small businesses uh, is, is really the way for us to have economic freedom. Uh, I think that um, uh, small businesses, there are a lot of burdens that are put on small businesses. And, and it's, it's sort of death by a thousand cuts. And I think a lot of people think that any one particular, you know, a tax or a, or a regulation or a, uh, a just even simple paperwork, uh, how that burdens small businesses. And I think a lot of people don't realize that the, the hour that you spend having to fill out paperwork is one hour that you are not spending selling your product to your customer. Now, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, hearing the woes of, of business owners, uh, you know, they're the ones driving the Cadillacs and Mercedes Benz. And, and uh, um, why, why should employees care about employers uh, and the, the business climate? Why should this be something that whether you own a business or not or work for a business, that you should actually care about uh, the, the regulations and the taxation uh, that are placed on business owners? Well, I think, you know, one of the things that people forget when you say that they're driving the Mercedes, uh, <laughs> they're probably driving a 10-year-old Mercedes, uh, and, and it's, uh, that's something and that That's my euphemism for <laughs> everybody thinks that a small business owner is just rolling in cash, right? Uh, that they don't have to work hard for their money, that uh, they can afford another tax increase or quit whining about regulation. Uh, just, you know, suck it up and, and live with it. 
Well, one of, one of the things that I think people don't realize about business owners is that if you, when you own a business, it's 24 seven. And uh, if you translated that into an hourly wage, they're actually getting a lot less. Less than minimum than wage. Less right? than yeah. minimum in some places, particularly <laughs> yeah. when you start a company. Yeah. Uh, that, and that's that's something that I think people don't realize is the risk reward uh, equation. Uh, in fact, uh, I had I had some employees working for me where uh, we had a very successful year, and I did share some of that with them because I felt that was the right thing to do. And one of the employees said to me, "Gee, you know, well, you're you're making a, a bulk of that." And I said, "Well, you know what? I would love to share that 100 percent." And of course, her eyes lit up, and I said, uh, "I said, well." I'll share the upside, but we're going to share the downside. And uh, so that's something that I think people don't realize. Did she take that deal? Uh, <laughs> she did not take that deal. She, uh, I think her eyes got widened and she realized that, that right, you know, with that risk, uh, with the reward comes risk. And if I'm willing to take the downside, uh, I should be rewarded for that. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's one of the frustrating things is that the overwhelming majority of, of employers, uh, business owners, uh, want to do well by their employees because they rely on them for their success Absolutely. Uh, and do everything they can in hard times. Um, and when you do see someone that's abusing their power, their business, uh, of course, that gives a bad name for, for lots of other hardworking folks. Uh, but the reality is, is that most business owners uh, lie awake at night, lots of nights, uh, thinking about uh, where that money's going to come from next. Well, and I saw that even with my parents as business owners that you you ask a question about where the values came from is that when the pipes burst in my father's office, uh, who cleaned that up? My parents dragged us out of bed at two, three in the morning and we were there with rags cleaning it up. Uh, that was just how I was brought up. Uh, I did the same work around the houses my brothers did. Uh, as I joke that my, my parents made my sister and... Uh, and uh, and I clean the gutters, and perhaps maybe that might be a, a skill that will help me here in Harrisburg. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we'll, we'll we'll leave it at that. So uh, I know one of the things, the roles that you played, uh, Valerie, was as the director of the Pennsylvania Private Investors Network. Um, explain what that was and uh, what you learned from that, and I guess how what things that you want to take into the capital. Sure. Well, well, a little bit about my background in that is that, as I said, I had a, a had a successful startup company, and with that success, I turned around and started investing in other small startups. So that qualified me as an angel investor, and uh, one of those startups did sell to Intel, uh, which enabled me to invest in other companies' uh, for, for several years. Mm -hmm. And uh, and now I invest with a group called Hivers and Strivers. We invest in veteran-owned uh, companies. So I do feel that 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 uh, desire to give back and help other companies succeed because I feel strongly that that's very important. So I got involved in the private investors network and uh, something called the Pennsylvania Angel Network, which was an association of 18 angel investor groups in the state of Pennsylvania. And what's an angel investor for those that uh, aren't familiar with the uh, the verbiage there? Sure. By angel investor, those are those of us who invest those small dollar amounts in early stage companies. Typically, it's under $500,000 pooled with a dozen other folks. So let's say individually, we might put 50000 or or 100000 Sometimes it's as little as 10000 But that helps these early stage companies grow, get started, and that's what this investor network did. We put in collectively 
close to $18 million into these startups, working with groups like Ben Franklin Technology Partners and, uh, and other independent investor groups. Uh, there's a lot of startups that came out of Pennsylvania as a result. And how is Pennsylvania doing in terms of creating an environment for the, the next guy or gal that has, hey, I got the, uh, a better mousetrap? or, uh, you know, technology or whatever it might be. Uh, how is Pennsylvania doing in terms of uh, fostering or encouraging that? Not, not by throwing money at them, but saying, hey, uh, risk and reward, go for it. Uh, and, you know, the sky's the limit if you've got a great idea. So the education system, we have some of the, the greatest educational institutions, uh, particularly in my district. We have Robert Morris University. We've got uh, Carnegie Mellon that's in Pittsburgh, uh, Pitt, other universities uh, that some of the greatest tech, technology uh, uh, folks come out of those, those, those areas uh, and, and throughout the state of Pennsylvania. But where we're lacking is those, those tax incentives. Pennsylvania has the something called the, the net operating loss carry forward, which enables companies to amortize uh, their losses over a period of time. So you throw a million bucks into your invention, but you're not recovering any, uh, 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 you're not having sales or anything, right? Is that Correct. the idea? And so it's to allow them to recoup uh, some of their losses on the front end. Well, and it's, and it's, it's I wouldn't even say it's, it's, yes, recouping, but what it does is it enables to take those losses over a period of time. Okay. And that enables them to invest more money into doing more innovation. So Pennsylvania has uh, the, the, the lowest cap on the lowest cap in the United States on the amount that a company can take. And, and at $5 million, it's, um, it, it, is, uh, it is the lowest. And uh, so... And, other, and raising that would allow for kind of the risk and reward, well, uh, a greater it, reward return? Yeah, it, and it would because then you know that over a period of time you invest that money, you are going to be able to get it back. Okay. And that incentivizes companies to put that money in. Now, what's interesting about Pennsylvania is that not only do we discourage early stage startups with something as simple as that tax treatment, that once they make money and, uh, and they become a large corporation, all of a sudden now we are the second highest corporate net income tax for these companies. So at some point, we hinder these companies from being built. And then once they get built, we then chase them away. Punish, yeah. And did you see that where companies that you invested in that they go, boy, uh, the climate here isn't all that good. We're going south. We're going to another state that uh, is more welcoming to our capital. Well, that's that's a very good thing to point out uh, that, that as an investor, I looked at companies and business plans from all 50 states. And there were some times that that was a factor when the group had decided whether to put money into a company uh, in this state versus another state. And then they realized that, geez, if this company is going to be successful, Pennsylvania just wants to take it away. And so uh, you, here you've been in office uh, uh, just uh, for uh, sworn in at the beginning of the year, New Year's Day, actually uh, sworn in uh, some of the things that have surprised you. Uh, maybe uh, uh, underwhelmed or overwhelmed in its, its surprises? Well, you know, I, I think um, there haven't been too many surprises. And, and people here, there are a lot more people who are here for the right reasons uh, than maybe perhaps that the, the media and the press would let you believe. Mm. And I think that there's a lot of legislators who are very well-intentioned, and uh, I think that's a good thing. And um, 
So that's one of one of the surprises, perhaps, uh, not what the media tells people. <laughs> so, so uh, as you look forward uh, to uh, this uh, two-year session, so you've got uh, really 24 months uh, of your first term in office, uh, what do you hope to accomplish? What are some of the, the goals that you've set for yourself um, as a freshman legislator? Well, I think one of them is, uh, one of the goals is making sure that uh, the, the legislature does not do further damage uh, by tax increases or targeting particular industries. You, you look at uh, a, a situation like um, where Amazon was coming into Pittsburgh and they offered uh, Amazon almost $8 billion, that's with a B, billion uh, worth of incentives. And you know, they chose not to come here. So the question is, is why? We need to find out why and make sure that those things are either reversed or uh, that we do not do any further damage that, that prevents companies from wanting to come here. Yeah, they, they chose states surrounding us, uh, New York and Virginia, um, getting a fraction of the amount of money that we were, at least we as in Governor Tom Wolf and other uh, public officials were willing to try to ply Amazon to come into Pennsylvania. Uh, it does say a lot uh, about our business climate that they would pass over a state that is still the Keystone State, uh, still a state that's uh, right in the midst of uh, the mass population uh, in the Northeast. I think it should uh, compel uh, colleagues uh, to revisit our business climate issues from taxation to regulation and start to figure out how to get that right. Um, I'm afraid, however, that uh, as we uh, hear a budget address coming, we're going to hear more about, well, taxes that we need to raise, and one in particular uh, being the natural gas severance tax. I know that that's uh, right in your backyard um, with a lot of opportunity uh, for energy development. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on that approach to uh, public policy? Well, what's, what's interesting is that you heard the governor say a lot of things about they're not paying their fair share. The question is, is what is the fair share and who decides that? The second thing is that, that a lot of people will say that we're the only state that does not have a severance tax. Well, but we have an impact fee. And as the I, only state that has an impact. The only state that has an impact <laughs> fee. And I tried to explain when constituents uh, had asked me when I was knocking on doors why that is. And I said, well, an impact fee is an impact fee. It, it, it's, it gives money back to where the impact is occurring. And I would much rather have the, the tax come back to the community to repair the roads and bridges that are being the most impacted. I would prefer not to have the money go into so the government. It's a basic principle of pay for the government you use, right? <laughs> and that is a, a fee that pays for the government they're using from roads, bridges, or the environment, right? Exactly. And, and so I'd much rather have it go directly where it's impacted than to go to clear across the state. So that's another thing. And then um, people say, well, well, don't you think that we should do what other states do? I said, you're right. I think that's a great idea. Let's look at what other states do. And we ought to do the same as other states. Let's start How about lowering. Texas? What, what, what does Texas do? Uh, no corporate income tax, no right. personal income tax. I'm all for that if uh, we trade that for a severance tax. That, and so, and that was that. That's what I consistently said is that that if we can lower the corporate net income tax, so let's be consistent. And if we're going to be consistent with all other states, we need to look at these other taxes, which we are higher than these other states. Now we know that Governor Wolf is going to be pushing for that. He's already signaled that uh, he wants a a severance tax on top of the impact fee, effectively. Um, He's also talked about wanting to uh, impose 
a higher minimum wage uh, in Pennsylvania above the uh, the federal minimum wage. What are your thoughts on that, particularly given your your small business uh, background? So that's one thing that I think people don't realize that um, they say, well, companies can pay a little bit more. And the reality is, is having a parent that had a retail shop, uh, had another parent who had employees, I had employees myself, I only have so much money that comes in to pay an employee. If I now have to pay one employee more, I, I'm, the bottom line is if there's three employees, now I'm going to have two because I, I need to take that money from somewhere. Uh, so that's, I, you know, I think most people will say, you know, tell their employees, do you feel lucky? <laughs> you know, are you the one that's going to be the one that works? That's the reality is that um, I can't pay for all the employees if I have to pay any single one more. Unless they're bringing in higher value, right? Greater production that uh, turns greater profits. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to just arbitrarily increase anybody's salary uh, or their hourly wage. I, I know that that's what we hear from the small businesses is that, look, we would love to pay people a lot more. Uh, but there's only so much I can charge for a slice of pizza or an ice cream cone. Or, and that's who it, it really impacts. Um, and then, of course, it hurts uh, uh, people trying to enter the workforce because that's generally who we're talking about, people making the minimum wage is that kind of that first job. Uh, I can remember making three twenty-five. Right? That tells you <laughs> when I was having my first job. Um, and, of course, uh, thankfully, I didn't stay there. Um, I produced uh, greater value and would grow there. And that, that's where we see the marketplace. Um, it, it rewards uh, hard work and moves people up that economic ladder. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Valerie, um, I know out in your area, we talked about the negative impact of the severance tax. Uh, I also know that there's a lot of folks looking for uh, people to fill uh, positions, uh, particularly in, in the trades area. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on that? Yeah, we've got a lot of industry coming into the area. And in fact, you see signs all over that welders wanted, uh, pipe fitters wanted. So there are jobs available. And uh, we sometimes don't have the folks who are trained for that. One of the things that uh, I have been very supportive of is uh, expansion of the uh, education for the trades. The there's a lot of students who are forced to, right now, they're forced to, to go into college prep. And uh, what we're finding is that they don't, that when they choose not to go into college, they neither have college or a trade. So some of the but things- But they get a lot of debt. <laughs> they get a lot of debt, right? And, and, and that is problematic. But I think that the more things we can do to foster trades, one of the, the, the institutions that's in my district is the Pittsburgh Technical College. Mm. And uh, they are doing a lot of courses in, 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 in various trades, whether it be in nursing uh, or plumbing or uh, other, other technical skills. And then we've got other groups that, uh, or the unions that come in and they actually do a lot of the trades. But we, we need to get these kids to go into the trades right away uh, and have lucrative jobs. And that seems to be an area that I think there ought to be a lot of bipartisan agreement and opportunity um, uh, moving forward. Uh, and hopefully we will see that. Uh, well, it's, uh, it's good to have you in Harrisburg. We're glad uh, that you are here representing a, a, a nice part of western Pennsylvania, the suburbs of, of Pittsburgh. Uh, Valerie, I wish you well, and uh, I hope you uh, um, can do great things in uh, the Pennsylvania capital. Well, thank you, Matt. It's a pleasure to be here, and thanks for the opportunity to talk about my district.
You've been listening to Brews and Views, a production of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. Find us on Facebook at Commonwealth Partners and follow Matt Briette at M-A-T-T-B-R-O-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E.